Good evening, and welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, abundantly, and overflowing joy. Joy, joy, joy down in your heart today. Amen. Well, I'm excited because tomorrow is the first day of spring, and that means to me as a gardener, I can begin to stick my hands in that dirt, which I'm going to be doing because I have many onions to put in the ground. Yay. So I'm excited that winter is behind us and spring is ahead of us. Amen. Tonight, I have a very special message called, What Exactly Is Yoga? Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Ephesians 5.14 The church is in a deep slumber. I mean a very deep sleep. And I'm astounded at the ignorance in the church today. Last week, I shared the scripture from 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant. And be sober in the Greek means to be circumspect, to watch, to pay attention to what's going on around you, and to be cautious. Well, it also means to abstain from alcohol. But I know so deep in my spirit that this scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, should be at the forefront of our minds each day. And the reason to be sober and vigilant, as you know, is scripture says we have an enemy. He's prowling about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, in the area where I live, northern panhandle of West Virginia, there are pastors here who are supporting and promoting Christian yoga. So I'm taking this message tonight to talk to you, to inform you of the dangers, and I mean dangers, of yoga. Now, you probably have friends. You may even have family members who believe in Jesus and are actually practicing yoga. Well, this message tonight is for you. So I'm going to start by explaining the term Christian yoga, because I'm going to talk about yoga, and then I'm going to talk about Christian yoga. So there's a word that we don't often hear today called syncretism. And that word means that when you you merge two different belief systems into one. In this case, I'm talking about merging Like the good aspects of yoga, which, you know, the postures, the exercise, the breathing and meditation with biblical scriptures. Folks, this is syncretism. It is not biblical to mix the two. So what is yoga? Well, the practice of yoga began in India with the Hindu religion as early as 3000 B.C., Liberal philosophical teaching, hang on to your seat when you hear this, 
believes that Jesus spent his formative years in India learning Hindu teachings between the ages of 13 and 30. So they surmise that Jesus disappeared for those years, and so he spent those years in India learning all about Hinduism. It is utter nonsense, utter nonsense. And I do remember when, before my husband got saved, and I told you he was quite an intellectual, and he told me one time that Jesus had spent time and lived in India, and I looked at him like, are you crazy? I, I, it's, that's nonsense. Now, the Sanskrit word yoga means to yoke, which means to bow and worship to the Supreme Lord Krishna. That ought to tell you a whole lot right there. Just the word yoga itself means you are yoking yourself to a deity, to a pagan god. We don't bow to idols. We give our worship to Jesus Christ and no other. I hope you're saying amen. In Hindu teaching, now get this. There is no Hinduism without yoga and no yoga without Hinduism. Now, that is a concept you have to get straight in your head. You know, make a note. No Hinduism without yoga and no yoga, no yoga without Hinduism. The two cannot be separated. You cannot separate the physical exercise of yoga from that spiritual aspect. And here's the reason why. The Bhagavad Gita, which is their holy scriptures, in those holy scriptures, the deity designed, actually designed yoga for the individual to connect to his God consciousness, which is the whole point of yoga. See, they do not believe that a person is a sinner. They believe you are ignorant of your divinity. And so the spark in you has to be ignited through the discipline of yoga. Wow. Do you see the idolatry here? No sin, no need for a savior. Instead of the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, who draws all men and women to Christ to awaken them to salvation. Well, they believe that there is a coiled serpent lying at the base of the spine asleep, waiting to be awakened through yoga disciplines. The snake is brought up through the body, through breathing and mantras and self-hypnosis, up to the third eye and into your mind and into a state of consciousness where you realize your divinity. Lord have mercy. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't want any snake in me moving up through my body. I, and, and I can't imagine that as a Christian, I have a coiled snake at the base of my spine. How sick is this? I mean, 
to me, it's very demonic. And these yoga postures, they're called asanas. They are physical keys. Listen, listen carefully. These postures are physical keys that unlock the spirit realm. Unfortunately, it's not unlocking the Holy Spirit realm. It's unlocking the demonic realm. Now, here's the whole goal of yoga, to unlock the kundalini spirit. This snake that lies at the base of the spine is called the great white serpent of light. So it can travel up the chakras to the third eye and the person can attain, can attain enlightenment. I, again, I don't want to even think that there would be some great white serpent of light. I mean, that's an oxymoron to equate the serpent, the Satan, with light, although the Bible says he is an angel of light. But in reality, he has nothing to do with light. He's darkness, period. And I think you would agree with me. Now, before a yoga class begins, each person gets in the lotus position. In other words, they cross their legs and sit, and they put their hands in front of them in the shape of uh, like they're praying. And this is what they say to each other. They say, Namaste. Well, that means the God in me bows to the God in you. Now, if you pay attention, you will see that picture of an individual sitting in the lotus position with their hands, you know, in like that praying position. You'll see that in TV commercials. I see it all the time. You'll see it in magazine ads. And uh, so this is what it represents. Namaste, the God in me bows to the God in you. Well, this is total idolatry. I mean, this is no joke. This is not funny stuff. This is dangerous. So yoga and Christian yoga are rooted in doctrines of demons. Now, we've gone over this scripture before. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Well, this is a doctrine of demon that is becoming very popular in churches today. And I have referenced this scripture many times over the last month, so you, you should be familiar with 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, yoga poses are actually offerings to the 330 million Hindu gods. Aren't you glad that we just have Jehovah, the one true God, that we are not bowing and worshiping 330 million deities? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Woo. Now, many of the poses that are done in these yoga classes, these poses are actually named after Hindu deities. Christian yoga 
Now, this is my opinion. Christian yoga is an unholy alliance with demons. Now, there are websites that say Christian yoga is harmless because they don't chant. They don't practice kundalini awakening. That was what I was talking about with the serpent at the, at the base of the back being brought up to the third eye. They say that they don't open the third eye. They don't pray to Hindu gods. They don't empty out their minds in uh, meditation and that they don't seek spiritual enlightenment. They say they fix their mind on Jesus. They encourage worship music to be used in the practice of the exercises, and they meditate on scriptural truths, all the while doing these stretching poses. Uh, I... I... (laughs) Ooh... Remember this. Remember that no matter what you call it, it still has its roots in this demonic activity. You call it Christian yoga. You call it faith yoga. There's a website called Holy Yoga. Listen, you can't separate the physical from the spiritual. And we know that yoga means yoked to Krishna. And yoga is Hinduism. And Hinduism is yoga. A, a, I heard a Christian woman say this. This woman was born in India, is a born-again believer. And she said, no born-again believer from India would ever do yoga, period. And... Uh, so I don't know about whether they would do Christian yoga, but they would never do yoga. Um, now I found a great website called Sanctification Day by Day, and um, they wrote an article, and it was titled Seven Reasons Why Christians Should Never Do Yoga." Now I'm talking about yoga, yoga. I'm not talking about Christian yoga. I'm talking about yoga. Because, now here's the thing, you may not realize this, but there are plenty of Christians who actually participate in regular yoga classes. I've had Christians tell me there's nothing wrong with yoga, and they will argue. They will argue with me. So I'm going to address these seven reasons, and it's it's a little repetitive of what I've shared, but I think it's worth repeating again. So this is written by a woman by the name of Angela, and she said, you know, it's amazing what comes to light as you read God's Word and what children can teach you. She said, anyway, at the time that this happened, my daughters were five and seven years old when I was reading Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14 to my girls. And I was discussing how it applies today and that Deuteronomy 5.9 tells us that we must never worship or bow down to false idols or false gods. So here's a scripture, Deuteronomy 18.9. When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. 
And I think for me, that's probably, you know, that's when we go back and look at Christian yoga, I, I don't want to imitate anything, anything that, uh, you know, the Hindu religion has been doing for thousands of years. Deuteronomy 5.9 says, do not make a idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fish. You must never worship or bow down to them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affections with any other God. So she says, Angela says, after I said this, my oldest daughter immediately spoke up saying that they do yoga in class. And they fold their hands and they bow down saying, Namaste. My youngest also piped up that she also does yoga in her class on a regular basis. Angela says, since I didn't know much about yoga at the time, but now concerned, she said the girls and I jumped on the computer and started researching about yoga. And she said, I was totally shocked. You know, some of you may be totally shocked about what I'm telling you. So she said, I did a study a little while back on world religions, and I, I'm amazed at how indoctrinated we become to false religious ideas and teachings. And the worst part is they have infiltrated our churches. See, I'm not the only one saying it. So she uh, picked seven reasons why I believe a Christian should never do yoga. Number one, yoga is part of Hindu spiritualism. I already mentioned that. And the word yoga was first documented in Hinduism's sacred text called the Vedas. Hindus believe in the divinity of the Vedas. The Vedas contain mantras, mystical interpretation, explanation of verses, and reflection of verses. These are used as rituals by the Vedic priests. Yoga masters or yogis fully admit that yoga is a way to gain spiritual enlightenment. They openly admit that there is a direct correlation between the individual poses and Hindu deity worship. Okay, number two. All postures have spiritual significance. Don't believe me? Just Google spiritual meaning of yoga postures. And she says a whole whack of articles will come up. Just to give you an example, the sun salutation posture, usually done at the beginning of most yoga classes, is a posture that prostrates you to the sun, in which you are expressing reverence for the life-giving solar energy, as did the ancient yogis. Some yogis practice that the sun salutation is a prayer in motion to the sun, which they call surya as both the physical and spiritual heart of our world and the creator of all life itself. What? What? The sun is the creator of all life? Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. See? We got a problem here, Houston. Three, the meaning of yoga. And I said earlier, it means union or to yoke. And she says, well, you're definitely not yoking yourself to Jesus when you do Hindu spiritualism. Number four, idol worship. And I just shared Deuteronomy 5 and 8, uh, Deuteronomy 5 verses 8 and 9. Do not make 
idols of any kind. So she says, so far I hope you can already see how participating in yoga is very dangerous for Christians. Yoga is used to worship the different Hindu gods. So when Christians participate in yoga, we are in effect worshiping false gods. But that's not all, she says. Have you noticed the trend in today's culture? I sure have. We might not bow down to a physical object as a form of worship, but in today's world, it's all about worshiping yourself. This is what all these false religions are teaching, that you can become your own god. You have the power within you to reach enlightenment. It's a selfie world. God has forbidden us to bow down to anything or anyone except him. What happens in yoga classes? One yoga instruction has participants bowing down to themselves, bowing to the space where they practice yoga, and finally, to each other. There's a lot of bowing down, but even if your yoga class only has you bowing down to each other, that's just once too many in God's eyes. I say, amen, amen, Angela. 1 Corinthians 10, 19, 19 through 21. Paul writes, what am I trying to say? Am I saying that the idols to whom the pagans bring sacrifices are real gods and that these sacrifices are of some value? No, not at all. What I am saying is that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want any of you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and eat at the table of demons as well. You see, the scripture lays it out for us very clearly. Number five, namaste. Namaste, the word is broken down into two words, nama, which means I, and te, meaning you. So namaste literally means I bow to you. And since we already know that bowing down is a form of idol worship, when you put namaste with the bow, you're basically saying, I bow to the God in, within you. But it doesn't stop there. The actual namaste gesture represents the Hindu belief that there is a divine spark within each of us, and it's located in the heart chakra. That's right. That's why you fold your hands where your heart is. This gesture, they believe, is an acknowledgement of one another's souls and divine nature. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Six. Chanting. It's not unusual for a yoga class to begin and end the class with an Om chant. Again, this is based in Hinduism. When pronounced correctly, it actually consists of four syllables. A, U, M, and the last syllable is silent. The three letters symbolically embody the divine nature of Shakti, the ultimate power inherent in all creation, and its three main characteristics creation, preservation, liberation. The silent syllable at the end is representative of the deep silence of the infinite. But again, there's more. There is 
one more concern. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, but again, there's more. Hindus and yoga instructors, along with a lot of participants, believe that by chanting the Om sound, you are symbolically and physically tuning into the universe's sound and acknowledging their connection to all other living beings, both in nature and the, in the universe. Hmm, sounds to me like you're worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And number seven, meditation is huge in today's culture, but not everyone understands what meditation is about. One yoga website says that meditation is a technique not just for resting the mind, but also to attain an alternate state of consciousness. To, in essence, let go of everything around you and allow your mind to become silent. Yoga sometimes even promotes astro, astral projecting oneself if you're in more advanced classes. The only reason you need to say, heck no to meditation. Meditating where you empty your mind and make your mind silent is contrary. It's contrary to what the Bible tells us. Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Psalm 1.2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Our goal as a Christian is to always be in communion with God. Meditation where they want you to empty your mind or your mind be silent is disconnecting you from Jehovah God. And when we disconnect from him, who do you think we are opening ourselves up to? For that matter, we have to realize that although our bodies are in the physical, we are also spirit and that our physical acts have spiritual consequences. Satan is real and he's looking for someone to devour. In summary, going through all of this, hopefully, you can see why even Christian, you can see why even Christian yoga is something we need to stay away from. Yoga is rooted in Hinduism, and the physical act cannot, cannot, cannot be separated from the spiritual aspect of it. God tells us in his words that we are not to imitate other customs and practices from other nations, a.k.a. false religions. So, um, Christian yoga, I say no. I say no. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. There's plenty of ways for you and I to get exercised. So we can stretch our body without exposing ourselves to this stuff. And, um, you know, I'm not comfortable with it. I would never recommend it. My best advice is to just avoid it. Yoga itself is dangerous for a Christian to be involved in. You will definitely open up yourself to the demonic realm. No joke about that. Uh, Christian yoga is just too iffy for me. I wouldn't take any chances of being exposed to the demonic realm. So remember um, that the word yoga means yoked to the Lord Krishna. And... Um, so let me just pray here as I close. Father, thank you for giving your sons and daughters discernment in these last days to know the difference 
between good from evil, right from wrong, and truth from error. Holy Spirit, sweet spirit of truth, help us to walk in righteousness in this dark hour. We fully surrender this day to you, Holy Spirit, and to the holy word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is Don Noble. I hope you got a lot out of that. Uh, you can go to my website, www.pureheart.today, to listen to this again. You can download the iHeartRadio app, listen 24-7, go to the podcast titled Pure Heart Ministries. You can email me, all lowercase letters, all one word, Dawn, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.today. And I pray that you would consider helping this ministry financially. You can send a check to P.O. Box, Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85. That's Pure Heart Ministries, Box, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. Well, I look forward to being with you again next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom, peace be unto you.